Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. If you're talking about taking your art skills to the next level, a coach can definitely help you with that. I've been teaching archery for over 25 years. I'm offering a free 50-minute consultation call. Everybody that would like one, please fill out the form. I'll leave a link in the description so we can get to know you a little better and see if I can help you in your archery skills. Today we're going to talk to a fellow Nebraskan about his archery journey. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host today on Archer Talk 101. And on the show today, we have Eric. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, can't hear your voice. <laughs> Something went Thanks wrong. For, Thanks oh, for having go. me. You got me? Yep, got you now. Good. Thanks for having me on. So I've seen your profile. You're from Nebraska. Uh, what year did you graduate high school from? I graduated in 96, live in oh. Grand Island, from Northwest High School in Grand Island here. Oh, from uh, Grand Island Northwest High School, okay. Yep. Uh, I was just wondering, because there's a Northwest High School here in Omaha, and I graduated from that one in 73, so <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if it was the same one. <laughs> yeah, no. No, well, close, same name, different different city, so yeah, that's Pretty good. Nice. So, uh Basically, just have you introduce yourself and then start off with, you know, why and how you get started in archery. I'm Eric Schulte. I live in Grand Island, Nebraska. I guess got started in archery back, oh, geez. Back when I was probably eight years old when my dad was taking me out, you know, sitting in a tree stand with him while he was archery hunting. Um and it just kind of exploded from there. It's always been a passion of mine and loved it and got into the target side of archery back in, I believe it was 2009 when I joined the Third City Archery Club here in Grand Island and kind of just blew up from there. Yeah, it, it's always interesting how you get started. You know, some like you get started off because their parents do and others just start off with, it's like, hey, I want to do this and nobody in their family does it. have to do it on their own but it's always nice when you have your your parents can get you involved in that yeah got started at a young age sitting you know like i said sitting in the tree stand with my dad i was just i don't know something about it just got me into it and got me going yeah so what kind of what kind of equipment are you shooting you shooting uh compounds or yeah so I shoot compound. Um, I do own a shop here in Grand Island. Um, I also build strings. Uh, kind of started doing that. I built, started the string stuff back in 2015. Um, and then bought into the archery shop here in Grand Island back at, about two years ago. And just started just getting ready to expand a little bit more of it here this year and kind of move it, trying to make it a little bit more than what it, what it has been. So. Yeah, that's, you know, it's archery is a sport that's been around for 64,000 years and I don't see it going away anytime soon. And, you know, it's, once you learn that skill, you know, that's something that you can always pick back up. 
Oh yeah. Yep. And it, it's frustrating at times too. And, but just gotta love it. Yeah. At the shop, do you guys just custom make all the strings when people need new strings or do you stock any? Um, I just custom make them. Um, so I'm, I'm basically the owner operator, do everything type person. I have no employees or anything like that. So you bring it in, I build a string myself. I put it on, I tune a bow, I set it up and help you with anything that I possibly can, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's always, I, I forgot to turn my phone off and it beeped and cut, cut you out. <laughs> yeah, crazy headphones, they, they connect to both my phone and the computer and when the phone beeps in and it sets everything off. So yeah, I, I forgot to turn it off today. But, yeah, I know when, when I had the shop, I made my own strings too, you know, so that you come in, every string is custom. Uh, the only strings I didn't like making is just solid black. That was boring. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you don't want just black. Pick it, <laughs> pick two colors, any two colors you want. You know, it could yeah, be exactly. fluorescent pink and and chartreuse or or whatever, just something custom and and you know, it's it, it gives them you know the color scheme they want. And I did the same thing with arrows. You know, I didn't buy any pre-made arrows. I just bought the raw shafts. And you know, what spine do you want? And what color veins you want? Veins or feathers? And what colors? And then yeah. they're all custom made to whatever color scheme you wanted. And, you know, you could do your school colors. You could do your favorite colors. You could do whatever. And, and that that's why you go to, you know, a shop like yours, you know, to, to get that personalized attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I offer some that are pre-fledged. And then, you know, if you want a custom arrow, that's that's an option as well. Um, really, there's no upcharge for anything that I, I ever do in the shop. Um, I'm pretty pretty flexible with what I do there. So try to make it just as most cost effective and convenient for people. You know, that's that's basically what archery is about is trying to help everybody else, you know, not in it to make make a killing off it. I also I also own my own construction company. So that's my bread and butter right there. So um, back when I got into archery back in 2009 or something like that. There was a, a gentleman in the club by the name of Rich Brandt. Um, he passed away back in 2011 due to cancer, which was just horrible. Um, but he did the same thing. He would he would help the person. He didn't he didn't care um, who you were, what your skill level was. He, you know, he was all about helping. And that's that's basically where I learned a lot of my stuff from, and basically just trying to pay it forward from what he did. Know, to do what I can do to help people out as much as I possibly can. Yeah, and, and that's why I started the podcast and started the Archer Talk One One Facebook group is to help people out. And you know, if, if you want somebody to look at your form, you know, I've been an archery instructor since '95, so uh, you know, I've helped a lot of people shoot. And it's like you know, I'll see people say, "Well, how's my form?" And I'll see comments that say, uh, "Shoot more, practice more." Yeah, well, that's yeah. not the right answer because that's not what they're asking. They know they need to practice, but how do you do it? So um, I'll allow them to upload a video of them shooting and then we'll give them critiques. Yeah. And, and if you have problems with your bow, because, you know, I, I, I've been working on my own stuff for quite a while. But in 2001, when I bought my store, you know, I went down and spent uh, a week down in Tucson, Arizona at PSC's uh, dealer school and learned more about how to tear bows apart, how to make 
cables and strings. Um, and th back then they was using the steel cables. Yeah. And and that that's an art in itself and how to make those things. And fortunately now they don't use those because those are a real pain to do. And yeah. You know, they kind of got away from those. So if you have an old bow with a steel cable on it, you might want to just not shoot it too much because <laughs> if they break, you're going to spend more to fix them than you will buy a new bow. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, you probably get a lot of people in at the last minute um, coming in. What's what's kind of your um, your workload look like at the shop? You know, when during the summertime when it's not hunting season compared to uh, you know right before hunting season. Yeah, so like right now it's pretty slow. I have, I think I have like two or three bows that need new strings on them. So I'm working on those right now. Um, but come August, that's when it really gets gets ramped up down there. And the, the the bad part is for me is that I'm also a men, mentor in the Nebraska Game and Parks mentoring program um, where we take kids out and take them bow hunting. And so that takes up a lot of time. And I have three kids of my own um, with sports. And so when people bring stuff in in August, it's it's kind of, it, it takes a little bit longer to get things back when you, when right. you've been that, that, at that time. That, it'll get to the point where I'll have 10, 11 bows sitting on the rack at one time during a week. So it's that, that takes a lot of time to build, build them up and then, set the bow up and everything so yeah to do it right it takes it takes some time to, to set yeah. them up and i know when i when i had my store you know if you bought a bow it come with you know whatever you need to get set up i set it up as well as i give you uh some archery instruction because i wanted you to know how to shoot you know that was included with all my bows whether you're buying a used bow for 200 bucks or you know a thousand dollar bow you know it's so yep. i didn't care i wanted you to be able to shoot and, you know, I, I taught people how to shoot. And I had one guy come in two weeks after he, I taught him, never shot a bow before, already has a Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, he come back and showed it to me. He's like, oh, man, I just destroyed $20 in arrows. And it's like, yeah, but I got a trophy. I can hang it up in my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he put it up in his office. And, you know, you don't want to get too many of those. Yeah, for sure. Especially yeah, that's... You know, arrows nowadays that, you know, they're quite expensive for the good quality ones. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I, when I get done setting the bow up, I have the customer come in and um, I basically try to tune it to them as best as I can. You know, I obviously try to tune it the best I can before they get there, but there's always tweaks that need to be made once the, once the customer comes in to shoot it. So we, uh, you know, you can spend quite a bit of time with, with somebody yeah. trying to get fitted to them. And, you know, sometimes their draw lengths a little bit off. So you got to change that or, you know, you see something, like you said, in their form or something, then, okay, let's try this and see if this helps with uh, a paper tear or whatever. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. I know, you know, you mentioned paper tear, uh, you know, that's not as much how the bow is tuned sometimes it's how the, the archer is shooting it because you can take a perfectly tuned bow and you or I could probably shoot it and, and somebody else shoots it and have a terrible tear. You know, it all depends on you know, a lot of the form. You can you can take a perfectly tuned bow and make it look like it's shooting bad just just by the way you, you're doing it. Yeah. You know, that's stuff we have to look for when we're in there. It's like, why are we getting a bad tear? Because I just got a perfect one. 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of times you got to do that. You let them shoot it, and you try to adjust it, and then then you grab the bow and you shoot it once while they're standing there, and it shoots a hole. So it's like, okay, so now we got to start working on a little bit of your form. Right. So. Yeah, I had one guy come in and we put a a drop away on his on his rest or on his on his bow, and of course, you know, if you put a drop away on, you have to shoot it to see if it's going to work. You know, yeah. you, you can't see how well it works without it. So. I go up there and, and I shoot one arrow. I take a shoot another arrow and, and you know, group and, you know, stack and mix each other. And the, and the guy comes in and says, I could never get it to group. And that time you just look at it and say, well, it ain't the bow. <laughs> look at it. <laughs> you know, you know it, it's it's their form. They can't get it to shoot, right? And they and lots of times that's why they want a different rest because they think it's the rest. And, you know, all the time it's, it's their, um, you know, their technique that's, needs to get fixed and yeah yep. yeah we probably both have some pretty good stories of things that we've done yeah yeah but it's it's interesting i'll i'll say that um i am looking at doing a few more things in the shop to try to expand it some more so hopefully throughout this year it'll work out for me and bring in a few more more options for people what kind of things are you uh, looking expanding into? So right now I carry PSE bows and I, I just got a couple fillers out there with a couple other bow manufacturers. Um, we'll see, see what happens. I don't know, just working with Easton too, trying to get more arrows, stuff like that in. Yeah, I don't know I was I was a PSE dealer in, in here in Omaha. And I sold more PSE bows than all the rest of the shops put together. That's because yeah. that's most way stocked. And, and I actually sold more left-handed bows than any of the other stores. Really? The that, shops, yeah. Because yeah, I stocked it's amazing. them. It's amazing how many left-handed people are coming in nowadays. I've, I've seen quite a few over the past year. Yeah, so. and, and that's that's why I stocked them. You know, I, yeah. you know, in the low end, I made sure I had low in the middle ends. So I had a left-handed in every one of them. No, on the high-end ones, I didn't stock quite as many left-handed bows, uh, but one of my shooters was left-handed, so he could always come in with his bow and and then shoot that. In fact, uh, um, we ordered a new bow in for him for that year, and somebody come in was left-handed and shot his bow, sold him the bow, and had ordered another one in for my shooter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that's that's just the way it goes, and hey... You know your your shooters that shoot for you get them cheaper than you can buy them for. Yeah, exactly. You know which which is nice because they're out promoting them. And that's one of the things that you know your staff shooters can do for you is you know promote your store. And um, I had another guy used to bring in lots of uh, tuning work. Yeah, you know, he'd be out wherever he's shooting, and so he's having trouble with something. Hey, bring it in. Well, we'll give you a super good tune on it, and you know, yep. bring bring in business, and and that's always nice. And yeah, I. I Pretty much uh, PSE arrows is all I shoot because uh, I had so many when I closed the store. I just kept all my Comp Pro 300s and so okay, I'm going to keep those because that's what I shoot. Yeah. Get my Comp Pro 200s to my kids because that's they shot and all the rest of them, I just went ahead and sold them off because I, I only shoot, you know, the, the straight shafts I can get, which the Comp Pros are 1,000 straightness. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, that's the nice thing about PSC is they offer a lot of variety for for us dealers, you know, as far as options of 
of bows. You know, you got your your economy line, and then you got your way up to your your high line. So, yeah, and I know when I was a dealer, they had their their main line, which you know non dealers could carry, and then their pro line, which you had to be a dealer like you are or, or I was. Uh, yeah. There's a different line of them. And, and I said then, it's, I don't know if they're still doing it now, but every other year is when they changed it. So the main line would change this year. Next year, it would be the pro line and back into the main line. So you at least had two years on on each bow. Well, it was still basically that year's you know new bow, which is nice because they give you two years to get rid of your bow before it become last year's model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually ordered quite a few here the last couple or the last week since they won Vegas there. Oh yeah, sure. yeah I see. So. I seen that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's good because well, and, and PSE doesn't pay as much as some of the other bow manufacturers. So you know, if they're shooting a PSE, it's because they like it. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they take first and second both? Uh, no, they got first. first. Wait, wait, in the or no, uh, Bowtech was second. Bowtech, okay. Then yeah, got there's third of yeah, the women's, women's pro. Third. Well, that's good. Yeah, you see different events going on, and one of them I see, and I forget which one it was now because they kind of all flow together. I think PC had first and second in that that event. I, I don't yeah. think it was Vegas, but it was one of the other ones. Memes, I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, overseas there yeah that's always always nice when i see psc stuff in there and in fact i'm wearing my psc i don't know if you can see it or not on the no. screen i got i got my psc shirt on <laughs> <laughs> so i just happened to grab this t-shirt today and you know it's i i've i've got a couple of psc's and my kids are all shooting psc and you know it's well, when you're dealer, you get, you know, a little better price on them. And so they're yeah. all shooting good bows. And yeah, it's, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I pretty much shot, well, I've shot Hoyt, Matthews, Elite. And I've shot quite a few different bows. You know, I've done quite a bit of target shooting over the years in Nebraska. and Started venturing out a little bit. I went to Vegas here a couple weeks ago. So that was a new experience. Obviously. Nobody ever shoots as good as they want to out there, but no, it was still a good time. But. Even if you win it, you didn't shoot as good as you wanted. Well, you know, yeah, unless, pretty much. unless you shot a perfect X count. Yeah, they can't get much better. No, no, but it was fun. It was learning experience for sure, and hopefully, I can do it again maybe next year. We'll see. See what the wife has to say about that, but. <laughs> No business expense. You're promoting your store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she she's she thinks that I need to choose between Vegas and elk hunting, and I don't know. Oh, well, it'd be hard to pass up elk hunting to go to Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it would be. So, have you been on very many elk hunts? Uh, let's see, I think last year was my thirteenth year elk hunting, and I finally shot my first bull elk. Uh, last year so, so that was good so you hunted the other 12 years and didn't get anything or you didn't get a bull i didn't shoot anything a lot the other oh. 12 years 
that's a long time to go to 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 get there and, and finally get your 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 bull elk yeah yep yeah it's we usually i usually go out to colorado and i was i was lucky enough about three years ago to fall into a group of guys from the archery club that have been going and they've had pretty good success with it with what they've been doing so they kind of let me tag along with them and showed me what they were doing and it was pretty exciting to finally finally put that arrow through that that bowl and i think it was 28 yards come in so oh that's that's a nice close shot for an elk yeah yeah i mean come up and it was come out of the bottom and let out a bugle and come across it 28 yards and he only went after i shot him he only went about 50 yards i think so well that's it was, not bad it was fun. no I've been pretty fortunate. So I've shot several whitetails with bow and arrow. And then I've shot an antelope um, here in Nebraska to boot up at uh, the Halsey National Forest. I shot one up there. Oh, I don't know, about eight years ago, I think it was, eight, nine years ago. And then to shoot a, shoot a bull elk, shot a mule deer with bow and arrow. So I've been pretty fortunate. With that, with that part of my archery success, I guess. Yeah. Say. I guess I did go. I did go to Canada bear hunting here about four years ago, and I did shoot a black bear with bow and arrow. So. That's good. How how was that hunt? Um, it was it was good. It was it was a, quite the eye opening when I when that first bear walked in and was smelling the base of my tree stand. Um, <laughs> I, I guess guess you could say I've never had the shake so bad in my life at that point. But it, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, you don't know if the bear's going to come up the tree or, or what. Yeah, yeah. You could just, I was just looking at it, and it was just kind of smelling the tree stand and looking up. You could see his eyes looking up at me, and it was just like, okay, no don't make the decision to come up that so. yeah and then obviously he didn't come up the tree he, he went nope. out somewhere else yeah he went out and put on quite a show for me for a while he was rolling around on his back and scratching his stomach and it was, <laughs> it was, it was quite 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 comical i got quite a bit of video of it so oh yeah that that would be that's probably almost better than than if you had shot him <laughs> yeah so that was fun. Did, did you end up shooting that one, or did you? Let no, it, away? It, it was pretty small, um, so I let that one go. And that was the first day, so we were way up, uh, way up in northern Saskatchewan. Oh we're, yeah, like we were only like twenty minutes from points north up there, which is way up north. So. Hey, you kind of hate to, to shoot a small one on your first day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think I ended up shooting one on the third, fourth day, I think it was. So that was fun. Yeah, that was, sounds like that would be a lot of fun. I haven't bear hunted. That's one, one of them I haven't done. I, I'm also just do whitetail. I did uh, um, moose in Canada with a rifle because it, the guy I was going with it was wasn't during archery season so I'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of on my bucket list to do next is 
a moose hunt, but we'll see. They're a big animal. Yeah, they are. Really good meat. Yeah. Excellent meat. So what what is your most memorable hunt you've been on? Oh, memorable? Hmm. I've been on a lot of them. Um, that elk hunt was one of them. I don't know. Can't, I can't really pick one, I guess. <laughs> Lots of them, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been pretty fortunate throughout the years. I've shot quite a few deer with rifle and stuff. And um, I guess my most memorable hunt would be uh, last year. Um, I wasn't even out there at the time, but my dad and my my oldest son were hunting on our lease ground that we have. And I was hunting with the kids over on the mentoring ground. And uh, I ended up getting a text message from my son telling me that grandpa shot one. So I was texting my my dad about it. And he said, yeah, I just shot one. So I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then it was like 15 minutes later, he, he texts me back and goes, I shot another one. So he had shot two nice bucks within 15 minutes of each other. And the, the cool part was, is he was only hunting probably 75 yards from my, my son. And so he get, he ended up getting down on his tree stand and walking back and told my son to stay in his tree stand. And he was just going to go back and wait at the truck. And uh, uh, it was probably about a half hour later, my son texted me and said that he had shot one on that same end so it was like within an hour they had shot three deer on one end of the property and so I, th I thought that was pretty cool and i went out there and helped them recover them and do that kind of stuff you know that's something that that i'll probably always remember my old man will probably remember forever as well you know getting to do that kind of stuff with his grandson on property that we we've leased that property for well he's been out there for 40 plus years on the same piece of ground so you know for him to get the ground back in 45 years ago and then to have third generation hunting on theirs is pretty cool so that's probably my most memorable memorable hunt yeah we're, we're all three of them get one in the, the same day within just you know minutes of each other is yeah, that, that's always a, a good one where you, you can look back on that and, you know, th to keep that a property like that for that many years, you know, that's kind of un unusual. It's a lot of times I see, you know, they'll sell it off and then you lose it or the, the kids get it, you know, and then they pass it down and say, you know, they, they don't want hunting on there. And, you know, so that that is that is really good, you know, a good relationship with the, the owner. Yeah, yeah. But we've been pretty fortunate with it. So. We've got it again for this year, so we got it forty-six years now. So, oh, that's I've, good. I've been lucky enough to hunt out there for thirty, thirty-five years now. So, yeah, that's yeah. when you get a good property like that. That just makes it so much easier to, to you know, go go out hunt and you know you have a good relationship with the farmer and you're helping yeah. them out by reducing the deer population and. They're helping yep. you out by getting a, a place to hunt and, you know, you, you have a good place to go and 
Yeah, and it's not like you'll ever shoot a 200-inch deer on the property, but, you know, it's river ground. It's You'll shoot your typical Nebraska river bucks every year, but hey, it's still know, fun. Yeah, I, I'm not so much into, you know, how big the rack is. I, I want the meat. Yeah, yep. That's, yeah, that's the way I buck. get to be. That's the way I get to be sometimes, too. It's 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 not about the size of the deer or how old how old it is it's all about the memories and that kind of stuff that you create with it then getting yeah. to getting to enjoy that that meat for the the years is, is the best part yeah yeah that that's always good because you know you know it's good quality meat yeah you know there there's no growth hormones or no antibiotics and none of that been injected to it because it's all just natural and natural yeah and, and sometimes you know you, you have beef and it's like oh what's this taste i i, I don't like it it's like oh it's just beef okay it's just different yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know yeah so i we only i think i only shot one deer this year with that elk and everything it's like there's plenty of plenty of meat in the freezer right around here so we're good for the year yeah, I know that when I had had the moose one time and I had a couple of deer and uh, I got another deer and there was no room in the freezer for anything. So I just said, okay, I just started making jerky out of it. And the kids are just like, is it ready yet? Ready yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids really enjoy the jerky part of it. That's for sure. I, yeah, I've been I pretty, pretty lucky. My family, my family actually enjoys the wild game side of things, so. We've, we've ate quite a bit of the elk so far. And... Yeah, my kids all grew up eating it. And, you know, there's times when I'd, they'd come out and I'd, you know, bring the deer home and and they come out there and see it. And then, you know, we fix it up, you know, when it's real little. It's like, when that deer is out there, this is it. It's good, isn't it? And they say, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they knew where it come from. It wasn't, you know, trying to hide anything from them. And, and, and now they, you know, they have no problem eating it. And, yeah. Once you once you figure out how to fix it, you know, it's a little more challenging. You can't just cook it like you would a regular beef steak. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Now there's no fat in it. So for one thing, so you got it a little bit slower. Yeah. You know what? Once you learn how. Yeah. What, what's been it. what's been your most challenging hunt? Most challenging? Probably the elk hunts that I've been on. I've been quite a few places, different places in Colorado. A lot of work, you know, where we've been going, we get up three o'clock, three thirty in the morning and hike three miles every morning. You know, and it's all, we're gaining, I think roughly about a thousand foot in that three miles. So it's quite a pull to get up there every morning, but. Yeah, only because when you come home at night, you're going downhill. <laughs> yeah, that that's 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 a bonus. And if you shoot one, you're going downhill. So that that's that makes it even better. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's always the challenging part, you know, especially when you start getting older, you know, doing all that walking, it gets a little bit tougher uh, on us old guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just turned 45 this week, so I've I've noticed I've noticed a change. In the last couple of years of how difficult things can be nowadays so, yeah well it takes you, a little, bit, 
It takes you a little bit longer to recover. I, I can say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you can probably figure out, I'm a little bit older than that because, you know, we talked earlier, I graduated high school in 73. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll be here in, in March. I'll be uh, um, 68. So, yeah. I'd sure like to go up in Colorado and hunt, but I don't know if I can, you know, if I want to go through that much physical activity to hunt. Yeah, yep. yeah. Go around here, have, climb a tree and sit. <laughs> we have one guy that I think he's 65 or 66 that's still going with us up Colorado elk hunting. And the other one, I think, is 60. So they're getting up there, but... Nice thing is they go a little bit slower up the mountain, so that helps me out. <laughs> I don't have yeah. to work as hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a tendency to slow down. It's not a big rush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get but, there when we get there. So I don't really mind. I don't complain too much about it, that's for sure. No. Well, in that way, you know, you go in there and you go a little bit slower. You can you can look and listen, see what's going on. And, uh, you know, if you get in a rush, you know, rush, just hurry up as fast as you can. You might have walked right past one that was bedded down next to you and you, and you didn't didn't see it. Yeah. We we uh when we go up there, we tree stand hunt. We we're in the really dark, thick timber and we're tree stand hunting. So that seemed to that seems to be working the best for us up there. Oh, I, I guess I'd never really talked to anybody that tree stand hunted for elk. They normally yeah. just, you know, bugle and find them and go try and stalk them. That, that's yeah. pretty good you got an area where you know they're coming through and just sit for them yeah. that makes that makes it even easier you don't have to yeah, walk all day we try to hunt right on the edge of the bedding areas where, where we kind of think that they're bedding and uh it, it works the guys that i've been going with they've had for the last 15 years i think they've shot an elk pretty much every year so, so it's been good yeah that sounds like it sounds like it'd be a, a fun hunt to go on yeah it gets kind of long, though, if you sit in the tree stand all day. We usually only do that like the first day or two. Then, then after that, it's hunt till noon and then go back to camp and go fishing or try to get caught up on some sleep if you can. Yeah. Yeah. But, after getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're ready for a nap about noontime, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Worst part is we go right when the season opens, so it's hot. So I can't. Oh, even yeah. Hotter. Yeah. Get out the early season before they they actually learn they're being hunted quite so much. Yeah. Yeah. So where where do you plan on taking your archery from here? Well, it's probably the same thing that it's been doing for the last several years, just try to hit state tournaments and local shoots and Probably try to go to the pro am a few more times or the Iowa pro am, and I don't know. I, I kind of would wouldn't mind trying to do the ASA side of things, the three D ASA side of stuff, but that's kind of a long travel you know, to go out east and do all those all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there. There's so many places you can go with it. You know, they they're you just. Where, where's your where's your interest lie and and just go with it yeah yeah so like when i was in vegas i was shooting with some guys from uh georgia and 
North Carolina out that direction. And I was talking to them. And I was like, hey, you guys have it made. You guys go to these ASA shoots. You know, they're not far from you guys. For us, we don't have anything here in the Midwest as far as ASAs, you know, like they do out, out, the, out east. So we just have our local club 3Ds and stuff like that, which, which are fun. But, but like anything, you run it, you know, those types of shoots, you run into a lot of people that, that push the pencil a lot. So, and that, that's what you get with 3, 3D. So, yeah. Well, and, and I never really cared, you know, where I placed in there. You know, when I was going with a buddy of mine while he was still alive, we, we'd go out there. The only thing that mattered was who had to take the crap and who got to give it on the way home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that's like, I beat you, you beat me. And, and that was that was our competition, was just between the two of us. You know, yeah. how can we get better? We didn't care if we ended up in last and next to last or first and second. You know, we yeah. didn't care where it's at because that didn't matter. It's, it was against, you know, two of us, you know, and that, that he makes it fun. So then you don't care. The guy wants to, to win because he pushed in the pencil. If if he wants that trophy that bad, let him have it. I don't care. You, you know, yeah, for sure. You know, I have enough other ones that I don't really care about another archery trophy and you yeah. know, or plaque or whatever they're giving out. You know, I have them from other sports I was doing. And, you know, it's it, it's just all it's like, okay um winning is more than ethics and i don't care about that you know i just you know i know what i shot and my score is my score and next week it's like how can i get better you know what did i do wrong did i not execute my shot or did i judge yardage wrong and, and you know just be better and i do the 3d shoots just develop better hunting skills yeah yeah that's a good 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 place to practice on hunting skills, I guess. Well, you have a lot of, you don't know how far it is. You got different animals, so you're going to find different spots to shoot. And, um, you know, finally, I, I finally got me a rangefinder last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them are helpful. Yeah, I, I've always just, you know, judged yardage and, you know, you get used to doing that and, you know, it's not not too big of a, a problem uh, doing that. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun shooting those. Yep. So, what would you tell a, a new archer that's never shot before that comes into your your shop wanting a bow? What what kind of be the process you take them through? Well, just kind of get them, you know figured out what they're what they're wanting to do with it first um and then getting them set up with with something that's comfortable for them is the, is the main thing and then just watching them trying to trying to talk them through my process or what I'm doing showing them and then watching them of course shoot and try to make adjustments to what they're doing and try to help them as best I can yeah that's you know when I destroy you know like like you, the first thing is okay. What are you looking to do? You you want, you know, did you just watch the Hunger Games and, and you want you want to shoot uh, a bow like Katniss does? You know, you want a recurve. You know, you want a long bow, or you know, you, yeah. you enthused by Robin Hood and want to shoot a, a, a you know, long bow. You know, or you, you just mostly want to shoot target for fun. Uh, is our okay? Maybe I just want to bow fish with it. You know, 
my buddies go bow fishing and, and that's all I want to do. And so you got to figure out what, you know, what it is they're doing and, but okay, what's their dominant ice, you know, where you get a right handed bow. Yeah. And then, and then look at, okay, is there any physical limitations they have? You know, you might be left eye dominant, but there's something wrong. You know, you have some physical problem that you can't shoot your dominant eye, you have to shoot your non-dominant eye, you know, yeah. or, or, or whatever, you know, once you figure all that, then, then now, you know, okay, what bow to put them in and then just let them figure, okay, here, here's the bows, what kind of price range you have, you know, that you want to spend in and then yeah. just look at it. It's like, okay, here's the bows. How's that feel in your hand? We're not even shooting yet. You know, how's that feel in your hand? Uh, uh, okay. How about this one? Which one you like better? You know, and then you get narrow them down and just take them through the process and, and yeah, you know, and eventually it's like, okay, now figure out what their draw length is, set it up for them, set the tonnage all the way down, you know, and then when they start trying them, you know, I always took and, you know, have two bows. At one time I had a guy with six bows out there trying to figure out which one he wanted. And then finally I got down and it's like, okay, here's this bow, close your eyes, shoot it. Here's this one, close your eyes, shoot it. Which one do you like better and why? I didn't care what the why was, just so they could talk about it. And then I grab another bow and it probably narrow it down to you get one, you know? So I, I learned then it's like two bows. So you can try at a time, take yeah. the one you like. Now they'll go grab another one, you know, because I, I didn't want to have six bows laying on the ground, you know, while yeah. we're shooting or hanging up on the rack or wherever. And, you know, it's just, you know, whole process. And, you know, that that's why I kind of, I named the podcast Arch Talk 101, you know, to help beginners out there and the Facebook group, same thing. And, you know, I also have the archtalk101.com website that, you know, I, I use for stuff out there as well. So just kind of all theme, you know, I want to help beginners out. And I know this last year I went up and helped Nebraska's Outdoor Expo up there at uh, Ponca State Park. Yeah. And, and that was, that was, that was interesting. It's first I got a chance to, uh, to help them out with that. And so I'll do that again next year. It was fun. Good. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the nice thing about where my shop is at, my store is at, I'm right across the street from the from the archery club. Um, oh, okay. So, so I can take them across the street, kind of work with them at 20, 30 yards a little bit too, and help them get sighted in, you know, so they're not just going out, losing arrows in the backyard, shooting at a, a bag target, can't hit it at 20 yards. So Right. In my store, I only got just a, just a short little area where they can shoot. I'll try the bow out, tune it and stuff. But it's nice to be able to walk across the street, show them that, and promote the archery club at the same time. Where I guess I'm the president of that, so I should probably probably <laughs> do my part with that as well. So right. So what was the name of your shop there in Grand Island? I've kind of what was that? What's the name of the shop? It's a uh, Ultimate Strings. Uh, is the name of my shop. Well, I kind of just, that was the name of my string company was Ultimate String. So I just kind of rolled it into there. Um, need to kind of probably revamp it a little bit. Put like bow shop along with it or something. I need to kind of rebrand it a little bit, I think this year to try to, try to make it so it's, people don't think it's like guitar strings or something, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> not not just a string company anymore. It's more more than that. So, and and what's what's the address of your shop? So those that are in in that area can 
Stop by it's, and uh, see you. It's three twelve North Elm Street, Grand Island. Like I said, it's, it's straight across from the indoor range from the Third City Archers indoor range. Um, it's also the old uh, Island View Archery shop space is where I'm at. Back when Phil Phil had the shop, he uh, I did a he kind of got me into buying out the string company that from Andy from well it was Dynamic Custom Strings from Andy Leahy and Hastings poor guy he uh come down with ALS and we lost him just a little over a year ago the ALS he was a big help with getting me going on all the the string side of things and showing me his process and stuff so so I hope hopefully I'm I'm doing what doing it the way he he wanted it ran and that kind of thing so so you're going to put your own little twist on it anyway. So, yeah, yeah. So I made a few few tweaks to, to his process and kind of made my own thing. Been pretty good. I've, I've, the other night at League, I was sitting there talking to a, a, a gentleman who had just put a set of vapor trail strings on his bow. Um, and he was shooting. And then I was looking at the line and it was just like, wow. Everybody in here is shooting my strings. It's kind of it's kind of kind of neat to see that kind of thing when you stand on the line and at your local archery club and every every bow on that line almost has your strings on it. So yeah, that that's good. Yeah. So quite quite a few quite a few of my strings were in Vegas too shooting. So well, that's good. I have a guy down in, in Kansas that he's been shooting the pro class for the last couple of years. Unfortunately, he just changed to, he was shooting Matthews and changed to Hoyt three weeks prior to Vegas. And so he was just trying to get used to that Hoyt. And I didn't, didn't get him a set of strings on there before he went down there, but he ended up, first day he ended up shooting a 300 down there. So he was pretty happy with that. Yeah. Uh, on you only had for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. On the pro line to boot, you know, he, he's come, he's come quite a, quite a ways. I think eventually he'll get he'll get there and get that nine hundred that he was looking for. So yeah, he'll get it. Yeah, I know it's it's kind of uh, nice, you know, building strings. You know, I had uh, when I had my shop when this guy called about a half hour before we closed, and he said, uh, "Do you have a stringer? Can you make me strength my bow?" And I says, well, "I'm, you know, bring it in tomorrow." As you know, we're closing like in a half hour, and he says. No, I've got to shoot tomorrow and I need a new string. You know, can you make it one? It's like, okay, come on over. And so it was my time he stopped in and it was one of the, I forget which brand it was, you know, Dart and something had a real thin track. So, you know, you always have a variation between two to four strands you can run on your strings. And, and I made one, the normal one, and it was too fat. So I started over, made one, you know, a couple strands less. And he walked out of the door less than an hour later with a new string. And then he had to go shoot at the, the club. We go to the club and shoot, break it in, get it all set up to go shoot the next morning at a shoot. So yeah. th that's the advantage of, you know, making strings is you can do that for a guy to come in where if you had to stock them, how many strings would you have to stock? No, I don't know Eagles. if you could stock. I don't think you could stock enough strings anymore. No. 
even if you had just your PSE strings, you know, to have all those. And I don't know if they got any better when I had my shop that the strings PSE put on them were not very good. You know, so yeah, know, my, my one staff shooter, he wouldn't even, I had to make a brand new string before he even shoot his bow. You know, really? first make them because, you know, they always have a little bit of creep in them. And, and you know, they're not using high quality stuff because they're doing mass producing them. And, you know, a lot of guys don't want their own strings and they'll shoot them a little bit and change them out. And, yeah, like those, like those companies, you know, they got all these people working on them, you know, all these different people working on them where the local archery shops or the smaller string companies where it's just us building them, you know, it's right. the same, same build on every, every string. You know, I, I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of companies, they offer a lot of different, different grades of strings. You know, you'll have your platinum, you'll have your hunter grade or whatever. And it's, I have, I have yet to figure out how how they do different grades of strings, um, basically using the same material and every, you know, I, I, I run three different, I run BCY on everything that I do and I run, so they have 452X and X99 and Mercury are the three that I, that I build primarily majority of my strings out of. It, it, it's based upon what, what the archer is doing, you know, if they're if they're just a bow hunter, you know, mercury works really good for them because it doesn't have the fuzz and all that. So the strings look a lot nicer. But if they're doing a lot more shooting all year round, you know, the X99 and 452X are the way to go. They they hold a lot, a lot more in the heat and stuff like that. So, but my process for every string is always the same. Right. Same amount of stretch time, same amount of twists and serving. And so I never I never change my process any. Yeah, I, I use 8125. You know, when when I had my store 20 plus years ago, I don't think some of those was even out yet. So I didn't yeah. have a choice of, of those that yeah, you know, 452X I think come out since since then. And and you know, so I have tons and tons of rolls of 8125. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I make mine out of now because I'm not buying new string material because, you know, now I don't have the shop. I'm not making as many. You know, I'm, I'll make a few and uh, stuff like that, you know, redo mine. And once in a while, I'll do somebody else's. But, you know, I, I have enough string that I'll never use it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that 8125 is a pretty good string material. Yeah, yeah, it is. They got lots and lots of colors. <laughs> yeah, so I carry, so like my, on my wall upstairs, so I do all my string stuff at home. I build it at home just so I can be around the family and stuff because it takes, you know, by the time I, from start to finish, it takes me roughly about, four and a half hours to build a set of strings once you figure in stretch time and everything in there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I, I carry every, every color in the 452X and the Mercury. Um, not so much in the X99. That's, that's more of my, uh, like tournament style string that I use for people that shoot tournaments and stuff it holds it, i don't know i just had really good luck with it holding up and 
doesn't have that twangy sound like 452X does. So. A, a, lot of my, a lot of my tournament bows that I put strings on, that's what I use for those. So I don't I don't carry a lot of colors in that yet. Guy can go broke if he goes and buys all the colors right off the bat. That's oh yeah. Doing. Yeah, you gotta make quite a few strings to, to pay for the whole colors. Yeah. <clears throat> oh generally by the time you make a string, you pay for the whole roll. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but that can be kind of a when when you're getting I don't know how many colors they have in that one, but the last time I looked, there's probably about 15 or 20 different colors in each in each yeah. one. So that, that's a lot of money in, in string material. Yeah. Like 452X, there's like, I think there's probably 30 to 40 different colors because they have the, the speckled line oh, in yeah. there as well. So, and I carry all that. So, but I don't really do a whole, everything's, anymore is black a lot of black black and red if they're going to do a twist on something that's maybe a flow green now and then but black is majority of what what gets put on anymore yeah so and i prefer not to use black in any of my you pick two different colors you know yeah. pick something unique and um it gets kind of boring building black strings all the time with black servers. right yeah, I have all the different colors and and you know, just make something different. I know I know one time I I made a string for one of my shooters. He had a PSC had um I think it was a quantum bow and what they called the um good vibrations as a target bow because it was it was silver and blue and I think there's three or four different colors in it, just kind of weird, weird colors. And of course I had to make a string right away for it. And I made a red and black string instead of normally you get your twists go around. I twist them inside of each other. So they formed little V's on the string. And uh, one time he had, uh, so I broke into his house and stole his bow. Well, it ended up at one of the local shops. And one of the guys in there, he, he seen it and says, that looks like Randy's bow. Because it wasn't Randy bringing it in. And sure enough, the shop owner called me up. And, you know, I give her the serial number and stuff. And I, I says, um, I can tell you, I can describe the string on that bow. It's red and green and forms little V's in the string. Because I made that string <laughs> for him. And, and then there's a little spot worn on the handle because his hand always wore a little spot onto the, the handle. So I still got the serial number because, you know, go back to PSE and say, okay, um, what's the serial number of this bow that I bought? Because it was the only one in that pattern that I bought. Yeah. It's like, okay, here's the serial number on it. And sure enough, he got his bow back. Yeah, you know, that's the advantage of having something unique, you know, something nobody else has, you know, a color scheme or something or, you know, yeah. a way it, that she designed it. And, um, I actually made one for my hunting bow that was on there for several years that actually um, I braided the, the strands. I had three strands. There's like three different colors, like a, a dark green and a brown and a light green or something. I forget what the colors were. And I actually braided them. And that was kind of interesting. It made a little bit more of a flatter string. Then you put your twist in it. But you know that yeah. I had that on my hunting bow for many years. <laughs> yeah, you could just do weird stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah. You just it could twist them just to keep them together, strands together, and you know when you serve over it, it still knocks fast and under just fine. And yep. a lot of work. I don't do those two. I only did those two strings that way because it's 
a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all right to do that kind of stuff with your bow, but. Yeah. Well, and then too, you know, you have to figure, okay, I'm braiding them, so how much string do I need? Yeah. You know, because it takes a, takes a different amount of string when you're braiding them or you're, you're twisting inside of each other instead of around. And that's not quite so much different when you braid them because you're using so much more string material. You know, so then yeah. if you don't get it right, yeah, now what do you do? You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you have to start over. And, uh, you know, that's yeah. just kind of this, the things that, you know, you play on your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know one time when I was shooting aluminum arrows, I went through and, and I had the inserts out of it and the tips out of it. And I weighed the shafts after I'd fletched them. And I wrote on each one, okay, how much does this shaft weigh? Then I weighed all my, my points because I buy them in 100 bags. So I weighed all my points and then weigh the inserts. And now I'm, I'm weighing them. Okay, I'm matching them up. So the total weight of the arrow was identical or as close as I could get it. You know, and there's times I'm, I'm filing on the back of the insert before I glue it in and, and get the whole dozen all within, you know, a half a grain of each other. A lot of work. I did it once. Yeah. I, I haven't done it since <laughs> because it was, it, 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 how much is it going to make a difference? Yeah. You, you know, if I'm one grain heavier on my arrow, does it really matter? No, because you're still not going to be able to hold that pin right there where that last arrow hit. That's for sure. Right. And, yeah. and then at what distance, you know, is that going to yeah. make a distance at 20 yards or 30 yards? Now, it might if you're shooting 150 yards, but I can't see that far to shoot that far anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, anything past about 40 yards, I, I'm having trouble seeing it anyway, so I'm not going to take those long shots. And that's the bad part these days with YouTube and everything. Everybody watches all these videos and everything about, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. Then they come into the shop and they want to try this and they want to try that. And it's just like, well, that's not going to make any that much of a difference you know? if you if you, the the variation from when you draw the bow back and how you hold it from one shot to the next and how you put the pin on the target you're never gonna you're never gonna see benefits from having your arrows completely weighed out the same and all that kind of stuff in my opinion i guess yeah, you're not going to see most of it because most of the error is in you. Yeah. You know, the, the human factor is what's going to cause more errors than any of your equipment. Uh, yeah. Now, unless you're shooting broadheads, if you're shooting field tips, you can take a bow that's not even close to being tuned right, and it's going to shoot the same every time. You know, yeah. When you start putting broadheads on air with the little wings out there, that, that changes things. But, um, you know, we talked about that um, at the last podcast, you know, from a, a, a broadhead manufacturer, uh, they make mechanicals. And we talked about, you know, Aeroflight and, you know, you put a broadhead on, it's best to have your bow tuned the best you can. Yeah. You know, because that's going to just make it fly better. And, you know, the arrow eventually stabilize. You shoot long enough distance, it'll stabilize. Oh, yeah. You know, that's why, you know, you take, uh, you know, the paper tears, you're, you're up at five feet. You get a terrible paper tail, you know, 10 feet, 15, 20. By the time you get to 20, 25 feet, you get a perfect hole because your arrow stabilized. Yep. So, yeah, it's, there, there's just so much, so much to do and, and things just change so much. And the, the bows nowadays, 
they're just they're getting so short and so fast that you know they got to be getting harder to control i don't like yeah. the sharp bows just because my drawing that puts that string at such a sharp angle you know i i have trouble seeing through the peep anyway yeah <laughs> yeah that's what i i used to shoot through the real skinny one now i need the biggest one the great big peep in order to be able to see through it yeah you know and, and then move it further away and yeah I, I can't see through them i never i i need a little bit longer ones yeah yeah they they sure make lobos efficient these days I, I found that my my sweet sweet spot is probably 33 to 38 inch axle axle bow that usually puts a peep where i want it on everything so i try yeah. to hunt with a 33 inch axle axle bow and target shoot with something between 36 and 38 yeah now they're getting you know some of them even shorter and like yeah <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm not i'm not real fond of the short ones just because you know um i do have long arms i shoot 29 inch draw length uh, i'm actually 20 and a half but i shoot a little bit shorter but it, it's not like you know when i first started went into the shop and, and I said, hey, draw this, but how's that feel? Okay. I was 30, I was drawing 32 inch bow. So I'm yeah. way back here. And I was like, I didn't know any better. <laughs> and so I, so I, when I got the, the next bow, it's like, okay, I had one and it was a American Challenger. I think it was random. The riser actually broke in half. I was really? down, shoot. I was down shooting it and <clears throat> trying to get sided up for hunting season you know, which is starting in, you know, I don't know, two, three weeks from then. And I couldn't get the pin sided in. So, so what's going on? So I went up close to the range and I thought, okay, I'm going to start off again. And I shot and I'm holding the bottom half of the limb, the bow in my hand, the top half comes back and smacks me in the chest. Oh. Now, two weeks before, now I got to find me a bow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> two weeks, two weeks before hunting season. And I, I went out to the, to the shop and I bought my first PSE then. And I shot that for many years and, you know, I eventually sold it, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I shoot, I shoot 25, 12s, double X 78s, you know, there again, that's the straightest aluminum you could get every yeah. year. I'd get new arrows because they wouldn't group no more. And, you know, then, then after I got through that one, then I, I got a Matthews and I shot that for a while. And then when I, bought my archery store went down to psc because i was a psc dealer couldn't be a matthews dealer because there was one you know within 50 miles uh, in fact it was even closer than that but so i go down there and i tell us like okay I, I shoot the matthews q2 which one of these should i be shooting because part of going to dealer school you get a bow yeah at least then i don't know if they're still doing that or not now but um so i got the uh psc carrera the 2001 carrera and it was rated at 320 feet per second. This is a 2001 bow. Yeah. Rated for that fast. Now, <laughs> I don't get that out of it because you, you aren't going to get that, you know, what's rated at because it's rated at 30 inch draw length, 70 pound, 350 grain arrow, one yeah. knock point, uh, and that's it. You know, if your mm -hmm. draw length changes, it changes. If you're, um, you know, you add a peep on it changes. If you add, you know, loop, it's going to change it. You're going to have your piston buttons. So you're going to have everything you add, you know, string dampeners, it all slows it all down. And, and I put the little string leeches in my string as well as my cables. And you can hear the difference when you're plucking them. 
got that twang and instead of a thud. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll put them in my cables and everything else. You know, this is a hunt bow. I don't care as much about the speed as I do. I want it to be quiet. Yeah. As quiet as I can. You know, the bows, they they weren't really that quiet, but you know, I do shoot shoot it at 70 pounds, but yeah, that's what I run into around here is we got a Matthew store not far from here either. That's why we don't I don't have a Matthew dealership up here, but but there's a lot of other bows out there that are just as good as Matthews. It's just trying to convince people of that as well. Well, and and that's what I found is um, when people come to my store, they'll say, oh, well, um, you know, eventually I'll get the best. I'll get a Matthews. It's like, why? Because they're telling you it's the best. Yeah. Great. They, they do great at marketing. Yeah. And, it's all over. It's all over TV. Right. And, and those that come in with an open mind that would, I'll look at them and see that shoot the Matthews that shoot the, the high end PSEs, the pro series, and then pick the, the PSE. Those with an open mind that didn't have their mindset on Matthews is, is it or nothing, you know, be open. Um, yeah. Hoyt shooters, that was a little bit different because Hoyt's were really good shooting bows as well. You know, yeah. and all the, you know, you got your Bowtech, your elites, and uh, there's so many different bow manufacturers out there. And, you know, which one's the best? The one that fits you. Exactly. Yeah, that that's my thoughts. Is like, if it fits you, and you like the way it shoots, it's the best. You know, yeah. you, you can take one of them two thousand dollar bows that don't fit you, or a five hundred dollar bow that fits you perfectly. Which one's worth more to you? Not the two thousand dollar bow. Yeah. It's that five hundred because it fits you. And, yeah. And that's that's what's nice when you know, the, you know, any of the new archers that are you know listening to this and thing. It's like. That's why you go to the pro shops, not the box stores, because you have guys like like you and and, and me and those that have shop that that know what we're doing. Not not saying that you can't get them at at your other stores, you know, box stores. Sometimes you have them there. Um, I know I worked at Bass Pro for a while and Cabell's for a while, and we had some excellent boat technicians and excellent instructors. You know, but we'd all worked at shops before. You know, we weren't just somebody that's like. I shot as a kid. Does that qualify me? <laughs> yeah, that's anymore. That's what you get at at box stores, I think. Right. Well, I went well, one time and talked to the one guy, and, and he actually applied at a different position. Because well, we have opening in archery. You know anything about archery? Well, I shot a couple times as a kid, so now he's there in the archery shop, you know, archery section, uh, selling bows, setting up bows. Not teaching because he don't know how to teach, because you know, he didn't even know anything about it. But yeah. now he's trying to sell stuff to people that knew as much, if not more, than he did. Yeah. You know, so I go in, it's like, no, nah, I, I don't need help. I just need to open this up. To, I want to try this release. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, let me try this release. And and uh, you know, it's like, no, I can teach you more about archery than you'll ever know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a box store in here, Grand, here in Grand Island that sells archery equipment, and it, it, their employees say, "Well, here's this guy's number. Call him; he'll set it up for you." Yeah, so, but not for free. <laughs> yeah, not not usually. I don't do it for free, but it's it's kind of frustrating frustrating when you when you own your shop and people go there and they buy that and then they bring it in. But it is what it is. Well, you make it up on the labor. 
Yeah. I know one thing that I offered because I saw the low end PSEs, um, you know, your Nova range, and, and I don't take place with now, but those low end, they sold those at the other stores. That was just the plain bow. It had the bow, the rest, the sight, the quiver. And then for a while, they had a stabilizer on them, you know, with just a piece of aluminum. Um, and then they stopped putting those on there. I had the same kit, but what I included with mine is I included one of the um, releases, the strap, the wrist strap ones. Um, same thing they sold at True Fire made them that PC's own branded one. It's the same one. I included the release. I included a half dozen arrows and, and tips and archery instruction. Yeah. At, at, so I included all this. So they couldn't price compare. I had one guy says, well, you know, because it was it was cheaper. They can get a little bit cheaper than what I was selling for. And I says, anyone know, you know, if he th thought if he could put it up and set, set up himself. And I says, well, you can bolt them on, but it isn't on right. And that's what I do. And I don't charge you for that. And I'll also give you a shooting instruction to go along with it. And, you know, if you buy it, bring it in, I'll set it up. But that time it's like, okay, I'm going to charge you. I figure it was 20 bucks, 40 bucks. I think it's 40 bucks to set it up because I'm going through all that stuff. And he says, I think I'll take it back and buy it from you <laughs> because all this add-on stuff he's going to have to do. You're going to have to pay me to set it up. If you want archery instruction, that's a hundred dollars an hour. So you're going to be 50 bucks at least into a half hour of instruction, which included in my bow as well. So there's 90, 90 to hundred dollars of stuff you're getting for a few dollars more. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, uh, I, I'll just get it from you. Yeah. Yeah. That was the point. <laughs> yeah. That's why I did that. I added something that they couldn't compare. And I know when Drew, um, as a true fire called me up and when, wanted me to stock some of the releases, I says, well, I'll stock anything Walmart doesn't carry. If Walmart carries it, I won't stock it. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not getting to price compare against Walmart. Um, you know, and then, then I'd have guys come in and say, Oh, you're cheaper than Walmart. So I better raise our prices at Hannah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then there was things like, like a hard case, you know, the Plano hard case. My cost to get them in was less than five bucks from what they were selling them for. So my cost to get them in is $5. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stock them. Yeah. But what, if you want a good quality one, yeah, we'll order a good one in for you. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wouldn't stock things that, you know, I couldn't write price compare and, you know, weird thing is some things, you know, the Ameristep had a blind that I could go to Walmart and buy cheaper than my wholesale price. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, just, okay, don't carry it. It's not yep. worth my time. Yep. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. And, and that's, that's what you, you know, you can find out when you go to the store like yours or, or any of the pro shops is you always have people that know what's going on. And, you know, yeah. somebody new starting out, that's what they need. They don't want to go to some place that they're not sure of, you know, yeah. what's going on. Then right now, for the last couple of years, I haven't, you know, everything that I've sold, sold inside my shop is stuff that I have, I've bolted on my bow or I've tried, I know what it does type situation. So I don't carry everything that's out there. Everything that I do carry, I know it works. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. If it's in my store, it works. I, I've shot it. I've shot animals with it. I've target shot with it or whatever. And it works. That's why it's in my store. So. 
that way you know you know the parts that you're going you can give an honest opinion of it. it's not just trying yeah. to sell um i know you know beginners coming in they don't know the difference between a cheap stabilizer and expensive stabilizer and yeah. you know i'd put on the cheap one and have them shoot it take it off put the more expensive one on and have them shoot it and so do you can you kill the difference no well buy the cheap one yeah because they're not they're not ready for the more expensive one i do the same thing with bows you know go with a low-end bow uh for one you know if if they had that bow that they didn't decide that they liked archery sitting in their closet, I didn't feel as bad having, you know, $350 bows in there. If they'd spend a thousand dollars, get the high-end bow and all the accessories sitting in there. And like, I, I couldn't really justify spending the extra money on that. You know, and as you probably know, the, the profit margin between a low-end and high-end bow is not much different. No, no. So, I don't know what the profit on is, but when I was doing it, it's like basically roughly a hundred bucks per bow. That's what I got. Whether you're yep. buying a $350 bow or the $900 bow, I made a hundred bucks. That yep. was it. You know, so yep. or I made it up as in accessories and, and everything else, you know, because, you know, the prices are all, you know, the accessories, you can do whatever you want with those. The bows are kind of fixed, you know, until they're two years old. Then kind of, you can do whatever you want with them then. But, you know, where I made it was in, in the service you know, fixing bows, fixing arrows, making new strings, you know, fletching arrows. You know, I, I had uh, uh, Joe Janet had six of them and I had 12 BPEs and and like eight bits and burgers and come before hunting season, they were all full of arrows fletching them. Yeah. You know, it was just constant. Yeah. Well, in uh, um, in parting here, what would be kind of your your final thoughts that you'd you'd like to tell the audience? Well, I don't know. I guess my final thoughts would be if you can support your your local dealer or small archery shop like that. That's what you know. They're going to have the most knowledge and help you the most. Um, Support your support support your local shops and oh, about all I got. Yeah, well, I'd like to thank you for being on the show today. It's been quite informative. I can I can talk about archery, you know, all day long, but you know, you, you kind of have to um, pick different spots and and go. So I'd like to thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. It was good. Yeah. Uh, my name is Rory Cantabria. I'm your host today on Arch Talk 101, and we'll see you on the next one.